Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. Good morning. It's a great honor and a privilege to be here. Um, I've been to many places in the world, but uh, standing here giving, uh, gives me goosebumps. <laughs> a little bit of butterflies in the stomach, but uh, I'm totally dependent upon God. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor Colin, for having me speak. It's a great honor and a privilege. Um, I thank God for his goodness and the leadership of this church. Pastor Clive in absentia and Pastor Jane, I think I've seen Pastor Jane somewhere. So when you're here, there are lights blinding you, so you don't get to see a lot. But we thank God. Praise the name of Jesus. I walked in through the doors of Kingdom Faith exactly 17 years ago in the year 2006. And uh, since then, I've been tremendously blessed being part of the family here. Uh, We have had wonderful moments. At some point, Pastor Jonathan... Uh, Croft and Pastor Clive prayed me out to go and pastor a church somewhere and then after COVID we came back to the family here and it's been a great and a wonderful time. Praise the Lord. I want to go straight to the word of God. Uh, Before that I just want to acknowledge all the wonderful people that have been before me. The worship band that was wonderful. I've really been blessed. Amen. So let's go to the word of God. Today, we are continuing with what we've been learning from the book of Ephesians, and I want to go to Ephesians chapter 4. If you may please stand with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. We are going to read verse number 17 to verse number 24 from the New Living Translation. And everything that has happened just before I stood on the pulpit is just a confirmation of just what I'm about to share. We'll just wrap it up. And I believe that God is going to bless us in a big way. Hallelujah. Now, before that... uh, just uh, when we were witnessing the baptism of Ollie and Jenny, I had God drop a word in my spirit uh, from the book of Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 10. The Bible says that I have chosen you through the furnace of affliction. And I felt that God has been refining and choosing you through whatever you've been going through. And he is going to give you such a tremendous ministry. Every pain and every agony you've gone through has not been in vain, but God investing himself in you that through you he might impact other people. Praise the name of the Lord. The Bible says that one day Jesus spoke to Peter and he said to him that the devil has desired to sift you, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail and that when you return, you encourage your brethren. The Bible also says that God comforts us with his divine comfort that we may comfort others who are going through the same things. So I believe that God has been investing himself in you and you will begin to see a wonderful outbreak of a wonderful ministry through you. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. The Bible says, um, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and are hardened in their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of uh, impurity. But that 
isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by, the, uh, by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. I want to focus on verse number 24. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. May the Lord bless his word. Now, everything we've been doing so far uh, in terms of the book of Ephesians has been tremendously wonderful in laying a doctrine of who we are and what we are in Christ. Last week, I was absolutely blessed when Pastor Kate brought that uh, wonderful sermon about identity. And... Paul, when writing to the Ephesians and indeed to the other uh, churches that he writes to, he begins by laying a doctrine, especially to expand on the gospel of who they are in Christ or what they are in Christ or who Christ is. Because the gospel is nothing else but Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. And then he begins, I mean, he concludes the epistles with giving them instructions for what we call practical theology. Now that you know this truth, how do you work it out in your life? Now that you know who you are in Christ, now that you know what you are in Christ, now that you know who Christ is in you, how do you work it out on a day-to-day basis? Because it is one thing to have a good feeling and a good understanding that I know know Christ and I know about Christ but until we see the fruit thereof then we do not really understand if you really know Christ. Are we together? The Bible says that you bear fruit and fruit that will remain. Fruit of repentance. Hallelujah. And I will not go into the details of this. I believe that Pastor Colin and those who will come after me will now begin to articulate the practicalities of how to work out the truth we have received. Now, Paul says that we no longer live as the Gentiles do because... They live what he says a hopelessly confused life. And he begins to explain they live in such a manner because they are living in the old man. Now, I want you to understand what the Bible talks about man. It includes women also. Are we together on that one? Yeah, because the Bible is written from what you call a paternalistic context, which, you know, Adam means man. So when you mean man, man is man and woman. So he's saying to them, I want you to understand that there is an old nature, an old man that has to be put aside. And now that you have received the revelation of who Christ is, you begin to walk in the reality of the truth you have received. Now, the Bible says, I want to take you back to the book of Genesis chapter 5. The old man. Before we can put on the new man, we first of all have to understand what the old man is and what God wants us to get rid of. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 3. Something very interesting is happening here. Now, the Bible says, I'm going to read from the New King James Version. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed Bless them and call them mankind in the day they were created. So first of all, we dispel the myth of man and woman, all right? Are we clear on that? Thank you. And so he says, he created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. 
Now, the account of these, you can go back in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, and you will see the account of the creation and how the Bible says that when God created man, he breathed into him and he became a living soul. And then he blessed him and he told him, be fruitful and multiply. And then after that, the Bible says he gave him dominion over the whole creation. Now, verse number 3 says something very interesting. Verse 3 says, and Adam lived. 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named himself. Now, there is a clear distinction between verse number one and verse number three. Verse number one says that Adam was created in the image and in the likeness of God. Verse number three, the Bible says that Adam begot a son in his own image after his likeness. That means something must have happened in there between. And what happened in there between is found in the book of Genesis chapter three, what we call the fall of man. Are we together so far? And I will not go into much detail to expand on this. But we know that when man was created in perfect uh, relationship with God and he lived in the image of God and he lived in a divine fellowship with God, with uh, exercising dominion over God's creation, there is a day when man fell and he sinned and he fell short of the glory of God. Genesis chapter 3. And we find the account of the fall of man, the totality of man was interfered with. I would encourage as many as can to do the freedom course if you haven't. I've done the freedom course with some wonderful brothers who we continue to be in wonderful fellowship even after our course. Now, one of the topics in the freedom course is called uh, the to- is, um, is it spiritual order. And it, I think it's chapter number four. And it says that man is a tripartite being. Man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. And so we find that in the fall of man, these three things, the three aspects of uh, of man as created were interfered with, they were affected. His spirit became dead. He became separated from God. His soul became rebellious and his body became corruptible and subject to delay. And I like what the writer of the Freedom Course says and therefore for that reason there is a need for the spirit of man to be redeemed. There is a spirit of the soul of man to be restored and there is a a need for the body of man to be uh, surrendered to God. Because we lost that when Adam fell in sin. So when the Bible says that Adam begot son in his own likeness after his own image, it means that the progeny or the seed that came from Adam henceforth was separated from God. It was dead in their sin or in its sin. The soul was rebellious and the body was subject to decay. Now Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22 where we started, we have seen the Bible says that the old sinful nature is corrupted by lust and deception. Are we so far together? I'm just laying a foundation, then I will do the home run and we'll wrap it up. Hallelujah. I will not keep you for long. For those of you who left your Sunday roast, don't worry. You will not have burnt offerings for lunch. Hallelujah. I went to preach somewhere and the, and the preacher wanted to check me before I got the microphone and he said, we understand that Victor is an African Pentecostal. And I said, yes, an African Pentecostals don't stop until the Holy Ghost says, let my people go. 
<laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. But for the past 17 years, I've lived in England, so you can imagine God has worked on me over time to mind time. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read from the truth version. I like the truth version. There is, there is a way God enabled uh, uh, our apostle Colin, and may he so rest in peace, to articulate the truth of the scriptures that I really like. I'm not trying to do any marketing, but if you haven't got a truth version, it's good that you get yourself one. It's very good. It's very good. Now, Ephesians 2 verse 1, the truth version says, What you are now is in direct contrast to what you used to be. So I've just a little bit explained what you used to be. Spiritually dead, in rebellion to God, and now decaying and corruptible. And Paul says that corrupted by lust and deception. So the verse, uh, verse number one says, once you are spiritually dead because your lives were full of sin and disobedience to God's word. And I want to pause here and say, as Pastor Colin was saying, that this is the reality. If you have not submitted your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that you are spiritually dead. Praise the name of Jesus. That is how, verse number two, that is how you used to live when you lived according to the world's standards. Because you are subject to God's enemy, the devil. Belong to his negative kingdom of darkness and were controlled by the spirit who still works in the disobedient. All of us at one time shared in the ungodly lifestyle longing to satisfy our flesh. Now I want you to understand that when the spirit is dead, then the soul and the, uh, and the body become the flesh. Now the the, the soul is that part of you that says I, that says me, I think, I want, I, I, I wish. It's your intellect, it's your emotions, it's, 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 it's your, your feelings. And now the flesh wants to do things that are contrary against what, uh, the word of God. You want to be self-controlled, self-led because the spirit is dead. Yes. Are we so far together? And he says, verse number four and five, despite all this, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, actually brought us to life with Christ when we were spiritually dead because of our sins. And he concludes, what a wonderful work of his grace to save us out of the death and darkness of sin. Out of the hands of the evil one, we once served. Hallelujah. I say thank God for Jesus. Because the Bible says that where death came through Adam, Jesus, who is the second Adam, came as a life-giving spirit. And verse number 24 of where we read originally, it says, Now put on your new nature, created to be like God. So we're going to unpackage that in the next few minutes. What is it to have a new man, a new nature, created to be like God, uh, truly righteous and holy? And this gives us two dimensions. Dimension number one, that putting on the new man is a divine transaction. At the moment of salvation, our spirit is made alive in Christ and immediately put in a right standing with God. I am careful about my words. I said immediately, put in a right standing with God. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 5 verse 18 to verse 19. I hope I'm not boring you with many scriptures. 
I am a Bible scholar and I believe in, 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 in a theological yes. thought that yes. let scripture interpret scripture. Yes. The Bible is its own interpreter. Did you know that? Hallelujah. Romans 5, 18 to 19. The Bible says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one uh, other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. The Bible calls this justification. To be justified is to be declared guilty, uh, not guilty, is to be declared as if you have never sinned. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible says, now that you have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We were alienated because of our rebellious soul. We were separated because of our spiritual death, because our spirits were dead. But now we have been reconciled. The moment you believe in Jesus, that very moment the Bible says you are reconciled back to God. You are justified. You are made acceptable back to the family of God. Hallelujah. And so now this divine transaction gives us three realities that I want to expand on, one of which we have witnessed today. Reality number one is that this justification, the becoming of a new man, is the doing of God. It is a doing of God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. The Bible says, Ephesians 2 and verse 10, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. So God has created us anew. It is his doing. There is no man who can save himself. In fact, the Bible says that when we were yet helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. Now let me tell you what religion is. Religion is a man trying to get to God and to attain salvation through his human effort. But let me tell you what salvation is. Salvation is Jesus considering my helpless estate and coming down to save me yet when I was dead in my trespasses. Praise the name of Jesus. Man can manufacture, a man can renovate, a man can repair, a man can refurbish, but it is only God who can create anew. Amen. I said it's only God who can bring back to life that which was dead. A man can try to repair themselves and do all manner of things with a bit to improve themselves. But unless and until God rescues their soul, there is nothing a man can do. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The damage of sin can only be solved by God. Psalms 51 and verse 10. Dan, I mean, David has fallen into sin and he is in a moment of penitence and he is uh, singing out this psalm and he says unto God in verse number 10 that create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And this is an acknowledgement that there is nothing he could have humanly done to change his situation. Yeah. One can attend church from January to December, but until God changes you, you can never really be changed. You can come to church just as good and you can do all the things that we do. We can do religious rituals. We can do ceremonies. I dare say we can even baptize you, but what is going to happen? You will go in there, a dry sinner, and come out a wet sinner. 
until and unless you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It is the doing of God. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the Bible says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given unto men unto which men must be saved. And the Bible says that unto this name, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. No other name is given unto men unto which you must be saved. Nothing else. And we have sung a very wonderful song, What Can Wash Away My Sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Who can deliver a hopeless addict? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Who can trade your beautiful ashes? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then you say, oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is a song by a lady called Charity Girl that says, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. And she says, I remember who I was. I was a wretch. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. And then she sings, thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. It washed me as white. You saved my life. Bible says, and I'm running out of time as well here. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to verse 18. Now we are sure, I'm going to read from the truth version, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 18. Now we are sure that if anyone is in Christ, made one with him by their faith in him, then that person is a new creation. The old was buried, is buried and finished, sorry, the old has died, is buried and finished with, gone forever. Now he has become a new person. And verse number 18, the first portion says, all these is entirely the work, the work of God himself. He alone could reconcile us with himself. And he has done through this through Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. And all this is from God. Because he alone, praise the name of Jesus. Thank God for that testimony. Philosophy will give you good ideas. It can never save you. Religious lingua will give you good talk and you will appear sanctimonious, but there is no power in the godliness therein. God alone can reconcile us to himself. So point number one, it is that it is the doing of the Lord. Colossians 2 verse 12 to verse 14, I'm going to read from the message. It says, going under the water, we've just seen that. Colossians 2 verse 12 to verse 14 uh, from the message. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming out of it was the resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did to Christ. When you were stuck in your old sin dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. The old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. The old is gone, the new has come, and all this is from God. Hallelujah. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The curse is broken. The debt is paid. The slate has been wiped clean. You are a new creature, and all this is from God. 
And I want to finalize by saying that this transaction, the new person is made in the image and in the likeness of God. Amen. Created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. But it calls for our response and our action to that. We have to surrender to the leadership and the rulership of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, are the sons of God. I want to conclude by reading some wonderful verses here. Galatians 2 and verse 20. The Bible says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want you to notice the paradox here. Now, this is what you call sanctification. So you've seen justification is the act of God. Now, sanctification is the ongoing work of the indwelling presence of Christ and the Spirit in you. And he says, my old self has been crucified. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He says, I no longer live. And then he says, but I live. The life I live, I live in Christ. Only a surrendered person can say such words. The, now, the life I live now, I live by faith. I live by trusting. So this means I have surrendered everything. My spiritual man or my spirit man has become alive. And therefore my soul is no longer at the CPU. It's no longer controlling everything. It is no longer my thoughts, but it is what does God think of it. It is no longer I want, it is what, what does God want in this situation. My wills, my intellect, my feelings, they are subject and subordinate to the leadership and the rulership of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I live for him. And this means giving up everything to God. And giving up control is actually the beginning of our freedom. Once again, I'm calling upon you to do the freedom course. That the moment when you give up full control to God, that is the moment you get liberated. Just like Pastor Jonathan Dyke said last Sunday, that we were liberated, we were freed from sin, but we became slaves unto Jesus, and therein we found our freedom. Hallelujah. We are now living for God, and our bodies have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So our spirits have been quickened, have been made alive. Our souls now have been restored, and our bodies now have become the temples of the Holy Spirit. And I want to conclude, if you don't mind, if you just give me uh, what can wash away my sins. Romans 8, 9 to 14. The Bible says Romans 8, 9 to 14. That's what we're going to conclude because my time is up. <laughs> Romans 8, 9 to 14. I'm going to read from the truth version once again. It says, right, let me start from verse number 7 to verse 8. It says, sinful thinking is totally against God's will. Such attitudes show there is no submission to him and his purposes. For you cannot serve God while your mind is full of sinful, selfish thoughts. 
that would suggest you are being controlled by your desire. It means that you are still being controlled by your soul, by your flesh. You are still dead in sin. Verse 9, he says, however, this is not the case with you. You are not under the control of selfish, sinful desire because you have surrendered your life to God to be under the power and the influence of his spirit who actually lives in you. You would not be a Christian at all if you did not possess the Holy Spirit. Verse number 10. But because his spirit is in you, Christ is in you. Your body may still crave for self-indulgence, yet your spirit has now been brought to life by his spirit so that in your heart you want to do what God, sorry, what is right before God says, this spirit who lives in you is the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. If he could do that, then he is certainly able to give God's life to your natural bodies because his spirit lives in you. Praise the name of the Lord. And that gives me a hint that divine healing is the working of the Holy Spirit in my life. And he says, this means that you no longer are obliged to obey your sinful desires, my brothers, to do what you would lead to spiritual death. To do that would lead to spiritual death. You would go back to where we've come from. And he says, now you have God's spirit in you, enabling you to rule over any lingering sinful desires to indulge in your fleshly instincts. So the spirit enables you to enjoy the real life, not death. You see, those who live as God's sons are happy to be led by God's spirit. The Bible says in the book of James, submit yourself to God. If you are fully dead, if you have crucified yourself on the cross with Jesus, and as evidence, especially through baptism, and come back to life and the life you are now living in, you're living in the Son of God, then you must be fully surrendered to Him. Praise the name of the Lord. I want to conclude this and say, the new man is the working of God in your life. The old is gone. The new has come, and all this is from God. There is now no condemnation. Everything that stood opposed to you has been cancelled. The Bible says whatever code was written against you was nullified. You are now living a new life in Christ. But it is your responsibility now to cooperate with the Holy Ghost and start living as the Lord instructs you. The problem we have with many believers is even though we are saying we are crucified, when something happens to you, you just say, I'm going to come off the cross for a minute. I will deal with this situation. And then just before 8 o'clock on Sunday morning, you go back to the cross. And you want to be fully surrendered. God wants an access all areas VIP pass in your life. Praise the name of the Lord. You can't let the Lord have the kitchen and leave the bedroom out of the equation. You can't accept him in the lounge and say, but not in my pantry. Jesus wants an access all areas VIP pass. Father, we thank you and we glorify your name. Thank you because they that you have set free are free indeed. Thank you, Father, because the reason as to why the Son of Man was manifested is that he might destroy the works of the enemy. 
We thank you, Father, because the old is gone, the new has come, and all this is from God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I take power and authority against every spirit of condemnation, every kind of feeling, every kind of a thought that I am not good enough, the accuser of the brethren, accusing people that they do not amount to anything. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, because there is going to be a witness of the Holy Spirit in the hearts and the souls of men that indeed the blood of Jesus washed as white as snow. Thank you, Father, because the addictions were dealt with at Calvary. Thank you, Father, because the past sinful nature was dealt with at Calvary. And Father, I thank you because the Bible says there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for those who do not yet know you, those who have never had a relationship with you, that the reality of this word may be a truth in their lives in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that this is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear the voice of God, do not harden your spirit. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you are in this congregation and you do not yet know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is your day of salvation. You could have chosen to be anywhere else today, but you found yourself here because the Lord led you here. Maybe you are watching us through live stream and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It is not a coincidence. It is not an accident that you're listening to this. It is because there is a call for you to respond to. And maybe you're here and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you say, please, I want to give my life to Jesus. If you could just shoot up your hand wherever you are, we are going to see it. And we are going to lead you in that prayer. And Jesus will come into you and you become the Lord and Savior of your life. You are here and you're not saved and you're saying, this is my day of salvation. I want to give my life to Jesus. Just show us by your hand and we are going to pray with you. You are here and you're saying, Lord, I want to give my life to Jesus. You've never yielded to the Lordship and the rulership of Jesus. This is your day. There is no other. We used to sing a song when I was young that don't go home not saved today. So that when the roll is called up yonder, when the saints go marching in, you will be among the number. You are here and you're not born again. One more time, please just shoot up your hand. If you think I cannot see you because the lights are blinding me, just make your way to the front and we are going to pray together with you. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you and we glorify your holy name. Maybe you are here and you are born again and you are saying there are still areas of my life that I am struggling with and I have not surrendered fully to Jesus Christ. Today, the Lord is setting us free. Father, I thank you for each and every person who is saying, I want to yield to you. I want to surrender to you. I am afraid of losing control. I'm afraid of letting go. But today, Lord, I surrender to you. I pray that God today in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit you may give them that yielding and absolute surrender in Jesus mighty name. As you are praying this morning the Lord ministered in my heart about a certain person who's been oppressed by a certain spirit of delay and stagnation that you've 
kept asking God, why me, why me, when others just seem to be making it and moving and zooming past you. And I heard God say that today you are being set free from periods of waiting, inactivity, and procrastination. Every hindering spirit is being broken in the name of Jesus. You are receiving a divine acceleration to achieve your goals, to achieve your missions. There is not going to be another miscarriage of your dreams in the name of Jesus Christ. And by the authority of God's word, I take power and authority against any hindering spirit and a spirit of delay. Right now in Jesus' name, I rebuke it. A certain woman in our congregation, God has been stirring your heart. You used to be a prophetic worshiper. But something happened to you and you gave up worshiping. And God is saying, a fresh anointing is coming to you. Go back to your command. You used to worship and miracles used to happen. You used to worship and people would be healed. Today, in the name of Jesus, we are calling you back to your command. God says, I am outpouring a fresh anointing. In the name of Jesus. And as Pastor Colin comes up, I want to pray with somebody here. You've been feeling in a very deep and dark place. And you've been plagued by some suicidal thoughts. This morning, I woke up very early in the morning and as I was contending to pray, I could see that you've actually even attempted suicide. And you came to church today saying that I have lost hope. God is saying, I am your hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I would also want to urge you that at the end of the service, you might want to see the pastoral team or the leadership team here. And Father God, in the name of Jesus, I take power and authority against every spirit of death. I take power and authority against any suicidal spirits in Jesus' name. Lord, as you showed me, may the light shine upon them in that deep and dark place right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, God, for the hope that you are putting in their hearts in Jesus' name. And I pray as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, may the eyes of their understanding may be enlightened, that they may see the hope they have in you, O God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I pray for everybody in the hearing of my voice right now. Everybody who needs a miracle, God, do them a miracle right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for breakthroughs and open doors right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for healings right now in Jesus' name. I take power and authority against every spirit of sickness disease and illness I rebuke you right now in Jesus name every pain be gone in Jesus name every illness every sickness be gone in the name of Jesus thank you for jobs and new jobs oh God Thank you for breakthroughs, oh God. Thank you for reconciliations, oh God. Thank you for miracle signs and wonders in the mighty name of Jesus. We glorify your name and we declare it is done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.